my name is praise. But it wasn't always this way. The world was waiting for you, the prophesied one. The one Micah predicted in Bethlehem, come. King David named you Lord a thousand years before this day, which is why I find it odd that your name is Christ and my name is Christ. You're the image bearer of Isaac following his father. You're the one Isaiah saw as a lamb led to the slaughter. The psalmist called you a stone rejected by the builders, and Jeremiah knew you'd be betrayed for 30 coins of silver. So how did you not know that this would be the end? Did you not know your betrayer would be a friend? It's always a surprise who will backstab us. I should know. Because your name is Jesus, and my name is Barabbas. Yes, I'd heard about you. You're that teacher the Pharisees despise. You tell the blind to go in peace right after you open their eyes. You command demons to come out. You heal the crippled and the deaf. The lepers shout your name. You told Lazarus to wake from death. But if you're so powerful, then why are you on that tree? Why am I the criminal on this hillside standing free? Why didn't you speak up? Where was all of heaven's descent? We all know my name was guilty and your name innocent. Those should have been my chains. That should have been my robe. Now your name is crucify and my name is let him go. That was my flogging, my beating, my skin. But now your name is death row and my name is forgiven. That was my spit, my ridicule, my gasp, my worry. That was my Via Dolorosa and my burden that you carried. Those were my thorns. That was meant to be my crown. It should have been my blood that was dripping on the ground. Those were my nails, my wrists in wretched perforation. Those were my desperate lungs resisting suffocation. That was my punishment, my wrath, my justice on display. Do you see? My name is death, and your name is pain. Sacrifice for liars, for cheaters, for the rotten, for thieves, for a good man one might die. But then, why would you die for me? Do you not see my anger, my wickedness and malice? I know your name is Jesus, but do you know my name's Barabbas? Are you a friend of sinners? Why invite me to your table? Do you know I was a murderer? I am Cain, you are Abel. Are you the father run to me? Because I am prodigal, unworthy. My name is undeserving, but your name must be mercy. I am Gomer, 
unfaithful, but you still call me bride. I am one who ran away. Your name is Leave the 99. My name is Fatherless, abandoned. Your name is Welcome Home. In a world of dreadful kings, you're the king who left his throne. Do you not see? This is a scandal. How reckless could you be? That was my mocking you endured. That was my place on Calvary. That was my spear that stuck into your side. That was my sorrow, my grief, my suffering in your eyes. Years of my rebellion. Years of condemnation. Who are you to hang them after my humiliation? That was my sin, my shame, my payment, my cause. You took what I deserved. Jesus, that was my cross. If I doubted, never followed you. You humbled yourself into death, followed through, taking up my cross, brutal and rugged, because your name is love. And my name is. Welcome to our Good Friday service. Could you push me down a little? Yeah. Tonight we're remembering and even celebrating what Jesus did for us. Tonight marks the, the night that Jesus would be put in the tomb before sundown, where he had spent three days in the tomb as the disciples wondered what was happening. Tonight marks the, the end of the trial, the end of the scourgings and the whippings. As we just heard this spoken word from the viewpoint of Barabbas, we see that the end result, the cross, is what makes us beloved. And that's what we're going to focus on this evening. We're going to worship a few songs. We're going to sing a few songs because we're today on this side of history. We're not as the disciples. We know the end of the story. We know why Friday is good and not bad. I was asked that today. So he said, well, what is good Friday? And as I explained, they said, why do we call it good then? Because on this side, we understand that it was the sacrifice of Jesus that made it good. That he died, but he rose again from the grave. And that's what gives us reason to live, reason to hope, a purpose to live, and a hope for eternal life. All because of the cross. And so tonight, we're going we're gonna to worship. and We're going to focus on that wonderful cross. And so I encourage you to join us as we sing. You can stand or remain seated. 
But let's just sing a couple of songs in worship to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that 2,000 years later we can join together knowing that Jesus rose from the dead. But before he did that, he had to go to the cross for us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for his resolve to do the Father's will. Most of all, we thank you for the cross.
so much for the cross. Father, as we spend this next time together, I pray that your presence, your spirit would be here. and God, you'd continue to help us even understand and focus on what Passion Week is. God, as we've been reading the story, as we've been watching the videos, God, as we've been praying and contemplating, continue the work in what you want to do in us personally this week. Bless our time in Jesus' name. this for the live stream. I don't like to be stuck behind a mic. But those tuning in, they, they can't hear me if I don't have a microphone. So. so more than 2,000 years ago, God's plan of redemption altered the world forever. The power of sin and death was broken through the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that first Easter. Death was defeated. True life, spiritual life, God's life triumphed. And I, I, we have just a short, short video. We have a, f a few special things. Now we're going to just play a quick, short video that really just says it real quickly of what we're witnessing.
couple days this week, what we would have witnessed had we been there. It's absolutely horrific. The trial, the, the betrayal, the beatings, the scourgings. Tonight we're going to continue on on our journey that we embarked on through the events of Holy Week. And we're going to come alive as we did on Sunday to God's story. It transforms our lives and, it's, and our world by His grace. We started our, our Holy Week journey with Palm Sunday, coming alive to Jesus' life. Tonight is Good Friday, and, and we're not going to look down in defeat, but we're going to hold our heads high as we're going to focus on the cross, and we're going to come alive to the sacrifice that Jesus made. On Easter Sunday, in, in just a couple of days, we're going to celebrate his resurrection. We're going to come alive to his power to change our lives because that's what Easter means. It's, he rose from the dead to change our lives. The life that Jesus offers is reason to celebrate. It's a reason to respond to God's open arms and his invitation to draw near to him. I'm, I'm glad that you faithful people came out this night and um, here on Good Friday, but it's not easy Friday. It's good as we continue to discover the life-giving truth of Holy Week and of God's power to transform each of us into a new creation. Today, Good Friday, there's incredible tension. We look at the cross, a most brutal tool of Roman execution, and we call it wonderful. We call it glorious. We call it beautiful. We call the day of our Savior's death Good Friday. As difficult as it is, it's important to, to take a few moments to look intently at the cross of Jesus. When the Apostle Paul considered the cross, he said it this in Galatians 6, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me in eye to the world. To look at the cross is to, to, to recalibrate your life around this one thing and receive confidence that comes from knowing the God of the universe laid down his life for you and me. Tonight I want to draw attention to a word in the verse that I just read, and it's the word boast. Far be it from me to boast or to have confidence in anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ. We should let our motivation to live out our faith be that will and that overwhelmingly understands that we can conquer any obstacle because of the power of Almighty God. The confidence comes from looking at the, this moment of, of unbelievable suffering that Jesus did on the cross. The, the Greek word translated boast means to hold your head high, literally. To boast is to hold your head high. We live today in a look-down society. When you sit a sit at a stoplight next time, pay attention. No one's looking up at the light. Instead, they're looking down at their phone. You know, we, we, we look down all the time. We look down at our computers. We look down to read. We look down to text. We, we stand over our countertops in our kitchen preparing a meal, looking down 
we even look down to pray. So many of our, our daily activities and, and habits cause us to, to look down. You know, there are more than 30 trillion cells in your body. One estimate from 2040 was 37 trillion cells in your body that are part of your life. And every single one of them is directly impacted by the condition of your spinal cord. And the curve of your neck is, is, is critically important in all this. Whenever you look down, when you look down, you're compressing the spinal cord in a little bit of a negative way. You're actually literally cutting off some of the function of your nervous system every time you look down. One of the most powerful things we can do to correct this is to throw our shoulders back, lift up our head, look up. This posture can help restore life to the body. And it's a spiritual or emotional and mental posture that the Apostle Paul challenges us to have today in order to restore vital function to our bodies, to our spirit, to our mind. It's, it's a corrective measure that we, we take today to remind ourselves that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. Today we hold our heads high about nothing else than the cross of Christ as we look at His life and what He's done for us. It allows us to recalibrate all the ways in which our lives have gotten out of alignment. We shouldn't hold our heads high about the importance of our work, though some of us do. We shouldn't hold our heads high about our gifts or talents. We shouldn't hold our heads high about our contributions or accomplishments. We should follow the example of Jesus who stepped out of heaven and made himself, the Bible says, of no reputation. One thing we look, our, look up and hold our heads high to is to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's an amazing reference that John the Baptist made when Jesus first came on the scene before he had performed any of his miracles, before he had done any healings, before he had preached the first word of his first sermon. John knew what was coming. He said, Behold, look, see, look upon the word, the Lamb. You know, the word behold, look up can even mean experience. Look upon the Lamb, the Lamb born in Bethlehem, which is the birthplace of every Lamb that would be killed in an official capacity as part of the Passover throughout Jerusalem. He was born to be the sacrifice, born to be the price of our reconciliation, our reconciliation back to God. He was born to be the payment for your sins and my sins. Tonight, we want to hold our heads high and look upon the Lamb. Hold your head up high and look upon the one who ate with sinners and welcomed outsiders. Look upon the one who said, Let the little children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Hold our heads high and look upon the one who never forced himself on anyone, yet welcomed and listened to everyone. We want to hold our head up high while the Son of Man walks on the water and calms the sea and casts out demon and feeds 
the hungry. Hold your head up high and look as the blind receive sight, as the lame learn to walk and the diseases are healed. Hold your head up high as those held captive to their sins, you and me and others, they're set free. Let's hold our head up high. Behold, look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's interesting that the same way that John the Baptist told us to behold him, to look upon him, Pontius Pilate did the same thing. In John chapter 19, it says, So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said said to them, Behold the man. Look. Here he is. See him. Experience him. Look at him now and remember this day that occurred 2,000 years ago. By tonight, he's been betrayed. He's been abandoned by his followers. He's been denied by his closest friends. He's been whipped by the Romans. And, and contrary to what, what I, I've heard for a lot of years, and, and you've probably heard too, the Romans did not have a 39-lash limit. That was the Jews. Romans could do whatever they wanted to a non-Roman. So often, they would hit until they were tired. They twisted a crown of thorns and they, they pressed it onto his head and the thorns, some say, would have had, had spines two to three inches long. Pilate brought him forward and told us, Behold the man. After all that, Pilate declared him not guilty. I guess it was just a Friday morning of Roman mockery. But the problem was that the crowd wanted more. So what do you want me to do, he asked. And they said, take him away, shouting, crucify him. I know we can't physically see him today, but as best as we can in our minds, I look up, look upon him. First Peter chapter 1 says, Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you don't now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. How can we look back at such a horrific day with such suffering and death and be filled with joy inexpressible? Because it was personal. It was for me. It was for you. Jesus paid a price that we couldn't pay for a debt that he didn't owe. He paid it on the cross. He paid it for me. He paid it for you. And he paid it for Scott, who's going to come and share what the cross means to him.
That's your cue. Come on up. So I did a video, actually, on my way to work this morning. Um, at Rob's request, he, we had Bible study the other night, and he said, everybody, please do a video or come up and say what the cross means to you. And, you know, there are obvious things. You know, I should just play the video, actually, right now. I couldn't transfer the video over to him. That was the problem. Technology, right? So I've got it here, and I'll just play it for you now. No. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, I, I thought about it, and the obvious answers are the death of Christ on the cross. And, you know, every time we see the cross, you know, we know what that cross means. Well, when my sister and I were, I was eight, she was 10. And in our little Baptist church in Jackson, Mississippi, a revival came through and we gave our lives to Christ. And at that point, we both started wearing little wooden crosses. And it was kind of like our team jersey, you know. It's kind of like this is our team. And we were so proud of that. And, you know, I don't know whether that was a reflection of what had happened to us or vice versa. But we started behaving differently. I started evangelizing to kids my age and maybe a little older. And the pastor actually one Sunday said, I don't mean to go on and on, but, um, you know, the other day, an eight-year-old kid brought a nine-year-old kid into my office for me to tell him about Jesus. And, you know, the cross just, it affected my behavior, I, I believe. And in my video today, as I was driving, it occurred to me that if I were wearing a cross today, every day, it might affect my behavior. You know, it might affect the way I treat people, and as I said in the video, in case you ever see it, <laughs> I treat people pretty well on a daily basis, but who knows, you know, it might be, there might be more opportunity there. I might be able to see more opportunity because this is out front, you know. So that that's what the cross means to me. It's a memory it's obviously every time I see it, it's here now, and I, I, I live with that every day, um, and especially this time of year. Uh, but, yeah, for me, that memory sort of stands out. You know, the cross means something to each one of us. And, and likely it's connected to your salvation experience. What Christ did in your life. We remember what he did for us, but the cross reminds us of how far away we were from him. That without his sacrifice, we were lost. That, that we couldn't do it. I remember years ago talking to a Scientologist those are interesting conversations. And one of the, the things that they had a real problem with in general in Scientology back in the 80s and 90s when I, I'd be in Hollywood a lot and I'd come, there's, there's a lot of Scientologists down there. And they said, you know, you're, you're wearing a cross. I mean, 
the cross is the symbol of Jesus dying. If somebody shot your mother, would you put the bullet that killed her around your neck? And, and that's what, for them, that's what that meant. Is like, that's, I says, no, that's not what, if my, if my mother took a bullet for me to save my life, I might. See, Jesus went to the cross willingly. He went there to pay, as I said a moment ago, a, a price that we couldn't pay for a debt that wasn't His. I know that, that many of you in here have, have gotten swept up and, 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 and maybe gone through a drive through and said, hey, I want to pay for the person behind me. Or, or standing in the, in the checkout line, there's somebody in front of you who doesn't have enough money for their groceries or they left their wallet and, and you just reach into yours and you just, you just pay it. You, you paid a debt that wasn't yours. But the debt that you owed was so much greater than that and Jesus paid it. 1 Peter 1 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save, your empty, save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He was battered. He was beaten. He was abused. He was abandoned with only one motivation. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. His, his execution was ordered, and He carried His cross through the winding, narrow streets of Jerusalem. He couldn't bear the cross on His own, so the Roman soldiers commanded somebody else, Simon of Cyrene, to carry the cross along the path, the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering is what it's called. It was filled with shops and patrons, crowded like no other time of year. During the Passover, Jerusalem's population would swell by some 400%. There were hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem. On, that, on Passovers in that time, um, Josephus said that they would sacrifice about 250,000 lambs. And if it's one lamb per household... It could have been a million plus people in Jerusalem, crowded. The intention wasn't just to crucify him as they led him through the streets. The t intention was to humiliate him. The Romans were setting an example for any others who might be tempted to rebel against the power of Rome. And then his body was laid down and it was attached to the beams of the cross by Roman nails lest you think it was just a ten-penny nail, this would be the nail that would hold him to the cross. And 1 Peter 2 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you've been healed. The New Testament writers would reflect upon the cross of Jesus and declare our sins canceled with the pounding of the nails. In His wounds is healing. It's a beautiful mystery that the streams of blood from the lashing and the nails and the thorns, that would cover my sins. Even God the Father turns His head from the sin that accompanies the suffering, and Jesus is left alone to die. Jesus felt alone to die on the cross.
other video. cross it was meant to horrify the world it was meant for humiliation it was meant to last for days it was meant for slow asphyxiation it was meant to prolong torture it was the Roman soldiers job it was meant to be used by Caesar, but instead, it was used by God. It was meant to stop a movement, but instead, it became the way. It was meant to act on fear, but instead, it awakened faith. It was meant to be vicious and violent, but instead, it became our peace. It was meant to uproot hope, but instead, it became the seed. It was meant to punish captives, but instead, it unleashed freedom. It was meant to build up Rome, but instead, it built God's kingdom. It was meant to discourage rebels. It was meant to stop insurrection. It was meant to put down Jesus, but instead, it set up his resurrection. It was meant to jeer and mock him, but instead it was his glory. It was meant to erase a chapter, but instead it became the story. It was meant to hold up convicts, but instead it raised up a king. It was meant to shut our mouth, but instead it's why we sing. It was meant to be a judgment, but instead it became our mercy. It's why the song of heaven is the lamb. The lamb is worthy. It was meant to kill an enemy, crush dissenters and diversion, but instead it became the banner of God's love for every person. It was meant to be appalling, nailing hands and feet to wood. It was meant to be used for evil, but instead it was used for good. It was meant to be a symbol of God's assassination. But instead, it became the symbol of Jesus's invitation. Come to the cross. Instead of sin and stain, you are meant to be made clean. Instead of being forgotten, you are meant to know you're seen. Instead of being ashamed, you can leave behind your guilt. Instead of feeling empty, you were meant to be fulfilled. Instead of being broken, you are meant to be made whole. Here, Calvary is calling. It beckons you. Behold, come to the cross. Instead of being an accident, you have a purpose and a plan. Instead of being abandoned, you were chosen by his hand. For all who've said, I can't, God has said, I can. No matter what you've done, the invitation stands. Come to the cross. 
Instead of being doubtful, you are meant to know your father. You are meant to be his son and you are meant to be his daughter. You were cherished from the start. You were always in the picture. Instead of being a victim, you were meant to be a victor. The result of Jesus' blood, salvation has arrived. Instead of being dead, you are meant to be alive. The cross, it was meant to signal death, but instead, it's a sign of living. It was meant to be the end, but instead, it's our beginning. is suffering in, in your heart creates overwhelming gratitude and humility. Thinking of the cross and what he did, it's almost impossible not to bow your head in sorrow and reverence. But today, this is what we came to see. So we look upon him. This is what the writers of scriptures talked about. This is the reason we boast. This is the reason we hold our heads high. Jeremiah says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. But let not the rich man boast in his riches. We determine to know nothing else but Jesus and him crucified. We put our trust in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Today we hold our heads high. We look to the cross. We come to the cross. The, this instrument of death became the cornerstone of victory for our lives. That is what makes this Good Friday. That is why you can hold your head high today. Hold your head high as He declares you forgiven. Hold your head high as He bears every sorrow and every grief and every pain. Hold your head high as He removes your guilt, your shame, and your penalty. Hold your head high as the one who knows you by name. And He declares that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He boasts over you with joy. Rejoices over you with shouts dances and sings over you and he loves you without limits. Hold your head high and know that not only is the cross empty, but the tomb is empty too. Hold your head high and declare I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Tonight, we're reminded in the midst of the sorrow and the grief because we know the story that we hold our head high for nothing else but the cross of Jesus Christ. The message of the cross is forgiveness. The message of the cross is love. The message of the cross is 
hope. The message of the cross is reconciliation. If you're apart from God, we hold our head high and we come to the cross and we receive forgiveness, mercy, grace, healing. Come to the cross. Tonight, I encourage you, come to the cross. Whatever is broken, whatever is breaking, whatever is discontent, discouraged, if you're far away from God, come to the cross. Remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Hold your head high. And declare with Him that I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight we hear the call to behold the Lamb of God, to behold the cross, the sacrifice, the love. We hear the cry to come to the cross. All of you who are weary and heavy laden. Father, I pray that each one tonight would go to the cross. They'd spend time with you and receive the healing, the forgiveness, the encouragement, the love that they need. Let no one leave here unchanged, unencouraged, discouraged. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your spirit tonight as you draw us closer to you. God, help us to continue to look forward to Resurrection Sunday where we celebrate that the cross couldn't hold him the grave couldn't hold him, but Jesus Christ is alive. Be with us all tonight in this room and watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you. Don't forget Easter breakfast, 8.45, but we're, we're, we're shooting early, so if you're bringing something, come before 8.30. We'll get, it, we'll get the food going. And um, service at 9.30. Admission to the breakfast and service is you just got to bring somebody. That's the cost. <laughs> hey, bless you guys. Love one another on your way out. Hug one another. Amen.